Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 327, BGG Hotness for June 2021. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, everyone, we are back and we are talking about the latest and the greatest in board gaming so i know you're excited i'm excited everyone's excited because it is our favorite thing of all board games board games board games right board games board games board games board games um one of the things we should say before i go any further is of course you are listening to this on thursday or you are watching this live on youtube on friday and that's change we didn't mention the change but we should have because we've been going through some changes too and if you're watching the video, you see some of the changes Anthony's going through. If you're listening to the audio, you're not seeing it, but I don't know, Anthony, do you want to talk about the big move? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just selling all my games. I don't have board games anymore. <laughs> he's not selling his games, folks. He's, he's, he would never do that. Like, he would probably live <laughs> in a house of just board games. Yeah. You know. Uh, I am selling some games, but that is that is because I'm moving. Yes, I am. Um... Been in Pittsburgh now for six years. I'm moving out to Philadelphia, back closer to, to where we started all this. Yeah. And uh, as you can tell from the space behind me, things are starting to empty. And within yes. the next week or two, there will be no games on these shelves because they will be in boxes. So 
Um, we're not moving until July, but we're trying to get boxed up nice and early. So don't don't worry. I'm still a board game <laughs> fanatic. There are many, 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 many boxes in my basement right now <laughs> waiting to go on the moving truck. Um, all insured, of course. So Absolutely. So again, if you're listening to this on Thursday and wondering or watching this on Friday and wondering, that's what's happening. So some changes for Board Gamers Anonymous. Obviously, we'll keep you up to date with everything that happens, but we are still producing episodes every week. So hopefully this content is getting out to all of you out there. And again, uh, please do share. It helps us out a lot, especially since we tend to be anonymous. So you don't have to be, though. So, Anthony, with that said, there's so much to talk about this week. Obviously, we're going to talk about the hotness this week about Board Game Geek's hot list. Uh, that's coming up in case people want to get those games to the table, which it seems like in most places they can actually get those games to the table. So that in and of itself is quite the development. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I, you know, if a lot of us, uh, you and I included, are, are vaccinated now, a lot of these games are, are getting to the tables, they're getting to the stores, they're getting to people's hands. I am sure. playing them. It, the game I'm reviewing today is a game that if it had come in literally any other time in the last 14 months would not have gotten played. <laughs> I would not have talked about it. So um, yeah. it's like one of those games that absolutely needs people in a room together. And it happened. And I'm very excited to talk about that. So yeah, this will uh -huh. be fun. I felt bad doing these for a long time because we talk about all these great games that are on the hotness and be like, I don't know when we're going to play any of this, but <laughs> there you go. People are talking about it. And we are playing it, and we are getting it to the table. So we will talk about that or at the table. But obviously, our super-duper feature review will be talking about the hotness games. But, Anthony, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the industry these days. I guess the first thing we should probably talk about, because it's the thing that's on everyone's mind, is actually, as you mentioned, getting games to the table, and in particular, board game conventions. So Gen Con and Origins, I mean, Spiel, I think, is another conversation, and PAX is another conversation. But currently, Gen Con and Origins are heating up, and it seems like companies and people are making different moves. So um, I don't know what you think about just Gen Con in general, because that's the one that's really the big convention here in the United States. Um, a lot of companies deciding what they're going to do. Uh, what do you think about all this stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's challenging. Uh, you and I talked about this, I don't know, a few times, honestly, this year yeah. so far, but not too long ago, maybe a month or two ago, where the whole idea and question of when is it okay to go to a board game convention, yes. right? And the conventions themselves have decided that September is when it's okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of companies, and we don't know how many people yet because they just put the tickets on sale, but a lot of companies yeah. at least have said, Eh, maybe not. Uh, sure. So the big one, obviously, was Asmodee and all of their yes of, of game companies. They pulled out of Gen Con in person. They're still doing Gen Con online. They're not yes. they're not quitting Gen Con. They just don't want to be there physically. Um, but they're not the only ones, right? There's a bunch on the list that you shared. Yeah, before, so. yeah. Paizo is announcing that they they're out. Uh, Lucky Duck Games, Yellow. Uh, Peterson Games, Goodman Games, Kingdom Death Monster, and in fact, a lot of other small ones as well. So, and I, and I think that a lot of companies are trying to decide, We and we've talked about this before, where do they put their money? You know, Gen Con and Origins are back to back, so they're right. kind of eating their own tail. I know Cosmo 
uh, said that they wouldn't be attending Gen Con. So that there, there's another company. So we're we're it's getting filtered into us slowly. I, I think that Gen Con is concerned that you know if if people knew of all the companies that were not attending, then they would not buy tickets. Right, and that's you know that's part of business. You know, part of it you know is a press your luck kind of situation where <laughs> how many people it's and again it's a chicken and egg kind of thing, right? So if the companies are not coming, will the people come? But if the people don't come, will the companies come? Right. And then there's obviously this all extra dimension of how many people can actually come to the convention and what's the safety measures. So there's almost an endless number of questions and concerns at this point, but obviously a lot of the larger companies, I think CMON, I think is out too, I believe. And that's a big one too. So I, I, you know, I think CGE will attend if I remember correctly there's there's several different somewhat conflicting lists out there, but I think CGE is attending, and I think they're going to end up having the largest booth. But it's a situation. I mean, it's a financial situation. Are you going to make the money if there's not that massive amounts of people? You know, is it safe for your employees? Can your employees get out from their country of origin? Because not everyone is U.S. bound, right? If you're in Europe or any other countries, you may not be allowed to come to the U.S. or come back from the U.S. or any number of things. And, you know, it's such a, it's, oh man, it breaks my heart because I want Gen Con and Origins to be amazing, but I'm also very concerned about everyone there. And, you know, on top of which, just even in a normal year, you have to have games. You have to have new games that you want to promote. And not every company has that yet because, again, we've been kind of locked down, shut down for like a year or a year and a half now at this point. So maybe you haven't developed a new thing that you want to get out to the market anyway. So why would you spend X amount of dollars to go to these conventions at this point? Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough because, you know, we're we're at this like weird in between point where a lot of things are opening up. A lot of people are safe to go out and about, you know, CDC is telling people if you're vaccinated, go to town. Um, but the problem is not everybody is vaccinated and we don't really have a system by which to show or tell people that you are or are not. Uh, and so I, I think a lot of companies might just be hedging their bets of like, we don't know how many people are going to come. We don't know that these conventions will necessarily even fully happen. Like what if a huge surge happens between now and the fall? Like, I bet that's part of their calculus as well of, yeah, this is a lot of money to come to a convention. And if it gets canceled or nobody shows up, we don't make anything back on that. It's, you know, you just lose can't lose money, and they're big companies, so it's all about the money at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah. And and as you mentioned previously, Anthony, when we talked about this, there's a lot of other issues that are minor, but obviously will affect. I mean, this is this convention, Gen Con, and Origins too, are not happening during the summer. So yeah. that means there's a lot of conflicts <laughs> with work. There's a, a tremendous number of conflicts with school. Right. So that's an issue. And obviously, Yom Kippur is right there and then. So I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. And, and I and I think on top of which, I think the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, the football team that that plays in Indianapolis plays in Gen Con's kind of arena, right? Because that's the football, you know, stadium where the overflow and the other events happening is not going to happen. They're playing a game that same weekend, so even that's going to be conflicting and Gosh. <laughs> and fancy flight obviously yeah and fancy flight is not 
you know, not going to be able to be there because they, they are Asmodee, you know. So no in-flight report. But yeah, just the fact that there's going to be a Colts game that same weekend with the same thing with the hotels and everything else is just... And the amount of people now that will be there. It won't be like August where it's kind of like, you know, few and far between. It's going to be packed everywhere. So yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel bad about this. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this works out. And I hope best for... Gen Con, there's such an amazing convention setting for all of the wonderful, I mean, epic things that they do. I mean, you know, Essence Spiel is amazing. I mean, it has its own thing. Origins does its long game kind of play out and Packs Unplugged is great. But Gen Con, for spectacle, there's nothing bigger. And I think I also heard on top of which was the, I guess, True Dungeon is not going to be there either. And that's another, if you go to Gen Con, you should do True Dungeon. So yeah. that's another big thing too. That's another bi- big missing piece. So a lot of a lot of big missing pieces. And I'm really interested in seeing if uh, a lot of people are going to be going themselves. Because even if it's not a COVID concern, maybe it's a school or work concern, a Yom Kippur concern, or a company concern. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of issues here. Yeah. I mean, personally for me, I decided I wasn't going to this before anything else because of work and school and personal issues. Like I, it's just that in origins, like I love those conventions. I can't go. So yeah, uh, it's a really busy time of the year for me. (laughs) I would go if it was possible to go, but I just don't see it as possible at this point. I mean, unless they was really, you know, easy and, you know, easy hotel access, safe, free, you know, you know, hotels and transportation because you know usually when we go to gen con it is really a trek it's a trek for us we're on the east coast it's expensive to go out there fly out there drive out there the hotels are incredibly expensive even in a good year even with the the lottery it's it's incredibly challenging and problematic i mean the convention's great it's just it's 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 every challenge that it could possibly be <laughs> and now everything else that's going on so uh, we'll keep you informed, and we will certainly cover uh, whatever comes out of Gen Con, especially the great games that come out of Gen Con, and uh, keep you up with all that kind of content. But Anthony, obviously, there's other stuff that's going on in the industry. Obviously, one of the biggest designers, one of the biggest games, Gloomhaven, has been huge. Frosthaven recently backed on Kickstarter and broke crazy amounts of records as far as money's concerned. That was at the start at the pandemic, and it was just shocking to everybody. And recently, um, there's been some controversy there about what Frosthaven will look like and what steps Idris Childress is going to be taking moving forward. Yeah, yeah. He posted um, on Kickstarter. This was almost a couple of weeks ago now, but like the conversation sure. really kind of kicked into gear last week. And and so what he, he announced on the updates uh, for the Frosthaven is that sure. they brought on board James Mendes Hodes as a cultural consultant. So mm-hmm. what a cultural consultant is, if you haven't heard this before, is basically someone who comes in and looks at a game or really any piece of media um, sure. through the lens of just other other perspectives, right? So looking at the game, is, is it accurate? Is it fair? Is it representative? Um, does it have unintentional biases or stereotypes in it that maybe the designer doesn't realize because those are just not things that they think about or that they're just part of society in general, or maybe they do realize it and you're like, point out like, eh, this is not okay. Um, and so 
he, he's brought someone in to take a look at Frosthaven and it, because it has all these different cultures depicted within it, even, you know, even these fantasy races that have been made up, they're amalgamations of real world counterparts. Sure. And just to look at it and make sure that it makes sense, that it's cohesive, that the narrative is stronger without just relying on those kind of easy, lazy fantasy tropes that a lot of sure. fantasy games do. They're not like his quote is, you know, fantasy world is not completely divorced from reality. You can't just do whatever with anything because nothing is created in a bias or in, inside of a vacuum. The biases mm -hmm. are always there influencing things. So that's, that's where he came from. Um, I think, I feel like the majority of people read that and they're like, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> More people should do this, but obviously there's a vocal minority. will jump in anytime anybody tries to do anything progressive with the work they're doing. And they, um, that's where the controversy quote unquote came from is yeah. people being like, well, this is a fantasy game and blah, blah, blah. And wokeness, and, you know, just, you know, the drill, if you've been online, you all know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good conversation to have. I mean, fantasy sci-fi, it is the frontier. It is about abstraction, but it also is grounded. Like you said, and that's something that we have to pay attention to. And it's something we have to explore. So again, I think we need to have those conversations and we need to address everyone's concerns. And we need to address that a lot of the tropes, a lot of the archetypes come from different places and different times that may not serve um, the greater good, so to speak. And I think, you know, Dungeons and Dragons in particular with their most recent edition has shown that th these intentional upgrades and changes and evaluations have only made the game better. I mean, the idea that you could play an orc and it doesn't necessarily have to be an evil orc and, and, and some sort of like, again, very problematic kind of situation and how the, how the, um, the attributes are based upon that race that a certain race has certain. It's just like, you know what? You can finally get a chance to play literally whatever you want, literally however you want to play it and get to have all the fun with it. And I just think that's fantastic. I just really love that idea because I think we're at a point where we want to play with all the toys and we don't necessarily want to have to play with them in the way that's so regimented. And again, if you want to have those things in that particular way, there are plenty older editions that do that and you should enjoy the heck out of those but as we move forward, we want to play with all the things in the ways in which we like to play them. And I think that's just great. And again, it only makes the games better. I've never heard anyone after the fact say, this has made the game worse. I've right. always heard this has made the game better. I was concerned about it. I don't want to lose what I have. I don't want to stop. And I completely agree with that. Like you love the thing for a very long time and now they're changing the thing that you love. That is perfectly reasonable. You want to stick to the canon? Perfectly reasonable concern. Um, they're going to go ahead and do it because it's their toys and they can play with it however they want. And then whether you stick with it or not is definitely your concern. I mean, I think we, you and I have talked about this and we won't get into this, but there's there's been a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy content that we're like, eh, or we don't just don't like it at all for whatever reason. So again, it's, it's good. Isaac Childress is a genius on so many levels. And we, we played his demo of Gloomhaven way back in the day before it even hit, you know, stores or Kickstarter. So um, he's a, he's a very thoughtful, you know, person. And I think it's going to make the game better. And I think in particular, 
he also wanted to add to the narrative, not just the issues of race, but the issues of colonization. So Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, you know, very much about like, you have this town, what are you going to do with it? You know, you have Gloomhaven, what are you going to do with it? It's like, you know what, I'd like to do something more. And that was my big criticism for Gloomhaven was I wanted to do more with it. I didn't want it to ride so hard on the rails. I wanted to do different things. So I'm looking forward to having different things to do it. Again, I think he's going to allow you to do, you know, whatever he could do within reason. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. So I'm looking forward to it. Conversations about these things are great, as long as they're just generally respectful. And I think uh, let's give him an opportunity to produce the product. You know, you could hate on the product once it comes out, but let him produce the product. (laughs) You know, I mean, he's done everything he can with Gloomhaven and and a kitchen sink on top of which. So... Um, all good stuff across the board. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on and we love hearing from you. So again, hit us up on every possible social media so we could talk more about this. And thank you for uh, reaching out to us. We had a lot of people reach out to us about these issues and concerns and we love bringing them, you know, more attention. So Anthony, with that, obviously our listeners and our viewers are talking about what's going on with the conventions, what's going on with board games and how they're changing and growing. But they're also talking about the question of the week. So what do we have? Yeah, yeah, this is a fun one. Um, did you see the the new game that Chip Theory Games is teasing? Oh, what, what would that be? <laughs> so they they put up a logo uh, like last week sometime, and it was just the Elder Scrolls snake, oh, no. <laughs> right? And with the little Bethesda logo in the corner. So if you're not familiar with Chip Theory Games, these are the guys behind Cloudspire, uh, behind uh, Too Many Bones, Hoplomachus, like, big meaty expensive games with just amazing components right and now they're doing an elder scrolls game and that's literally all we know they haven't announced anything they said it's coming to kickstarter next year so oh no (laughs) no information we know nothing yet um but anyways along those lines (laughs) i wanted to ask people what is a publisher designer plus ip combination you'd like to see so like what's a company you want to see tackle an ip that you are fond of um mm-hmm. a lot of different types of answers here um let's see here ac <laughs> ac holt mentions he would love to see chip theory games tackle starcraft 2 so Ooh, that would make sense um, i love that I think, yeah i think they're busy now though guys i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um darren mentions lucky duck games tackling doctor who so okay. doctor who right now i think most of those games have been coming from um uh, gale force 9 and I've heard decent things, but, you know, it'd be cool to see something more innovative and different, which is what Lucky Duck Games does. Sure. Uh, speaking of Isaac Childress, Chris mentions uh, Legend of Zelda as something that he oh, would yeah. see from uh, from Isaac. So maybe use Breath of the Wild as a template so you can play as Link and the Champions. So he, he he's kind of describing Gloomhaven here. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so you have... Uh, like these five characters going unlocking other characters and weapons and treasures as you go long mm-hmm. campaign through the dungeons obviously building up to a showdown with ganon i think that sounds awesome although i would like to see something that's not just like a, a clone of another game like i want to see something unique and clever there sure uh kenny mentions that he would love to see fantasy flight tackle mask oh so love that old school some, man yeah some old school 80s stuff that somehow hasn't come back yet everything came back but where's mask I know. <laughs> I still have my uh, green motorcycle slash helicopter somewhere saved amongst uh, all the archives. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I I don't know if I ever had any toys for it, but I have like a vague memories. And then it, like, I had that one. I had that one thing. That was all I had. But I, I still right. have it somewhere. <laughs> so it basically the whole transforming part of it was the back wheel <laughs> went up, and like the little helicopter blades went up. That was that was the days of easy transforming. It was like, oh look, I did a thing. And like, oh, that's, right. all right, kids. Yeah, you don't need a three-hour YouTube video to transform your toys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Another one mentioned here was uh, specifically two IPs from AC mentions. He wants to see Futurama. Oh, uh, awesome. It's really any kind of game. Uh, he mentioned specifically companies he'd like to see tackle these kinds of themes, like Garpill Games of Shem Phillips, uh, sure. who, who just kind of does his own worlds, but they're self-contained. Yeah. And then CGE. CGE does a lot of games that feel like they could be video games or yes. could be other IPs. Like they made an yes. Indiana Jones game that's nominated for the Kenner spiel, but it's not Indiana Jones. Right. Yeah. They made a Diablo game two years ago, which is amazing, but it's not a Diablo game. So um, it'd be cool if they actually got their hands on a real IP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a lot of good stuff there. I, I don't know if you had anything specific. Obviously, there's a huge well of nostalgia we can mine. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on for days. I'll, I'll throw just, I mean, let's, I guess, nostalgia alone. I mean, uh, Gale Force Dine, I really love their big, broad production of games. So my old school, most, the greatest, you know, sci-fi, you know, series of all time for me has been Babylon 5. So I would love to see mm-hmm. a big Gale Force 9 version of that because I really appreciate the depth they go into i guess again if we have to go into nostalgia i guess one of the things we could mention is obviously simon is doing he-man and the masters yeah. of the universe so why not why can't simon do uh gi joe why haven't we yes. seen gi joe as like a maybe like a quasi dungeon crawler but you know you have cobra has all those kind of like interesting different bases and you would have all the different characters and stuff like that so um or a zombicide version of gi joe but just something that's you get to have all the characters. I mean, that's just, I just want the toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all I really Get want. Toys. I just want the toys. Or I, I guess just in general too, we, the one thing we really, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like Transformers, like what about, I know there's going to be a deck building game coming out from Renegade Games, which is interesting, but I mean, I, I don't want a deck builder. I want figures. <laughs> so like, right. give me give me miniatures with the transformers they don't even have to transform i just i just want the figures again so um <laughs> you could give look i'm not a fan of it necessarily but you can give me a spin master version of transformers and i will buy all of that if it has all the transformers in it uh, I, you know oh, man so, so that's all good how about you anthony Any nostalgia that you want to throw in there for the kids i don't you know like there's always things i'm nostalgic for uh that have board games but they're just not very good like super yeah. mario for example like i grew oh, yeah. up on mario games nintendo in general like so like a legend of zelda game i would buy that sure. in a minute i don't care what it is i'd buy it <laughs> and i i actually do that with the mario games like they the, yeah, they, got they remade like king on top or whatever it's called as a mario game and it's not very good i don't love it but the kids play it all the time and i'm like yeah i'll play it it's mario <laughs> you know like give me some of that old school mario stuff uh and I don't know what form I would necessarily want it in. Just sure. give it to a real designer or a real publisher. Uh, Pokemon would be kind of cool. Like I've outgrown sure. Pokemon over the years, but a game where you'd have, you know, maybe you start with a hundred miniatures, maybe just like a big Kickstarter, wow. like, like a Marvel United style Kickstarter with all the different Pokemon in it. They'd make oh, yeah. so much money, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Even, uh, I mean, we've, 
we haven't liked Jasco games as far as some of the mechanics, yeah. but the, their production has typically always been top notch. Yeah. So especially with the recent Street Fighter miniatures. So yeah, that would be great too to get something like that. And they've been doing better with the, the mechanic part of it too. So they could pull something off big time. So, all right, cool. So again, if you'd like to join our question of the week, question of the day, please hit us up on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter in particular. And again, YouTube, please subscribe there. You're watching it live or you're watching it on audio. Uh, join us because that makes a big difference for us and gets our question week out to more people. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with our listeners. Let's talk about the games that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. Yeah, I got a new one that just went up on the P500 on GMT Games. Uh, they just shot their email out last week. It's called A Jest of Robin Hood Insurrection in Nottinghamshire. And could you, are you, could you have a longer title? Can you? No. Well, I mean, it's it's GMT. It's, it's a medium length title. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, everything for them is medium. <laughs> Nothing is long. Um, no. So this is a new game from Fred Serval. And what it is, it, what are they calling this? Um, it's a new system, but it's based on the coin system. Sure. So it's the Irregular Conflicts series. Mm. And I don't, I don't know what makes it irregular, but... The coin system is famous for its asymmetrical war gaming, right? The first yeah. of these is like Cuba Libre, like the Cuban Revolution. There's Andy mm-hmm. and Abyss. Uh, more recently, we have Pendragon, which goes back in time to like Arthurian legend. Gandhi, which introduces the whole idea of like nonviolent resistance as part of the war. Wonderful games. And probably the reason we have things like Root, because those games came first or at least in terms of publishing and the whole idea of having an asymmetrical war game. And they're very popular. There's like 13 of them, right? So the Irregular Conflict series takes that and kind of boils it down into something simpler and more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, It's two players only. And in this one in particular, you have uh, the Sheriff and you have Robin Hood, right? And so Robin Hood in this game is trying to hide from the Sheriff. So it has a hidden movement mechanic kind of mixed into the game. Different, which different, I love right? the idea of a hidden movement war game for two players, right? Where one person just chasing the other one around. Now, one of my favorite games of all time is War of the Ring, which is, again, mixes in like that hidden movement element in a two-player game. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily on that scale, but I, just, I like that mechanic. One person trying to track down the other. Um, the game is, by GMT mm-hmm. <laughs> level, they're considering it not particularly complex. Uh, I think on their scale, it's on the low end of medium. So, you know, medium to heavy for most people. But it's only supposed to take an hour, hour and a half. Um, it streamlines a lot of, uh, you know, all these big, heavy, complicated mechanics that you see in the other war games out of GMT. And it's Robin Hood, which is a theme I've always enjoyed. You know, I really enjoyed the, reading these, uh, reading the books and the stories when I was a kid. And it, it always, even though most of the movies are... Sh- not very good. I always watch them because I just I like this legend. I like this character, um, and so yeah, a board game about him. I'm all about it. Uh, can go along with the much lighter. <laughs> we mentioned the uh, Ro- uh, Michael Menzel's Robin Hood, uh, the Spiel nominee last week. Sure. Now we have the probably significantly heavier war game version of Robin Hood coming out. I imagine in like a year or two, but it's on my list now. Very cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love I love that they're bringing more 
theme into their games. It's not just and and more of like I don't know. Would, would Robin Hood be fantasy theme? Would you not? Would you? I mean, you not put him really. In? It's like historical fantasy, maybe. Historical. Yeah. It, it's a legend. It's a myth. You know, but it's based on stuff. So. Yeah. No, it's based on stuff, but he's not just a regular soldier. He's extraordinary, right? Right. He's, yeah. And yeah. it depends on what version of it you read, like how supernatural his abilities are. But, sure. You know, I, I feel like this one's probably a little more down to earth because it is a GMT game. But who knows? Maybe he's you can <laughs> shoot shoot an arrow into the sun. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to talk about something that's a little shameless just because the price. This is Catan Studio and Asmodee has released Catan 3D Edition because I'm assuming Terraforming Mars did it. So therefore, Catan was like, yeah, we can make a lot of money on this too. So Catan has put together on their 10th anniversary Settlers of Catan 3D Special Edition Treasure Chest set. (sighs) It's a new high-end edition and... Okay. <laughs> you know, Catan came out in like 2005 or Settlers of Catan came out in 2005. So like, you know, 15 plus years later, here you go. Uh, this is a fully decked out 3D edition. So you've probably have seen other people show off their own 3D tiles. Here you go. 3D tiles. You have all of the upgraded pieces, which I personally never really enjoyed, especially seeing those in Terra Mystica. But here they are. The roads, the buildings, everything is super updated. The 3D pieces look gorgeous. They don't look nice. They look gorgeous. They're all painted. And again, it's still Catan. So that either really works well for you or doesn't work at all for you. But nonetheless, there's now a 3D version and it fits very nicely into this box. It's just, it's it's not overwhelmingly like Terraforming Mars. We have to bring in like multiple boxes to be able to play the game. It's still base level Catan. It's still high quality pieces, very good gameplay, but it's also still $300. So, you know, sure, I would want this in a second, but nonetheless, $300. <laughs> they finally come up, they finally got onto the $300 train, Anthony. Remember, remember when we complained about board games being like $60? Remember yeah. that day? Remember that day? Like for five minutes. I just these, these like all these three D board games are funny to me because yeah, I actually played the new big box Terraforming Mars with all the upgrades. Like oh, Brent wow. brought it on Sunday. Yeah. Like I brought Kemet, he brought that, and it's fine. And, and honestly, he didn't really have any issues with his version. It looked nice, and I was like, oh, I could have seen myself backing that. I'm not upset about it because super expensive, but but nothing in that box is something that didn't already exist from like third-party sellers like sure. Catan of all games Catan people have been making stuff for, this for 15 years yeah since Etsy launched yeah so you ask him 300 for that i'm like i don't know that that makes a lot of sense and i feel like the people who would buy that already have it right yeah i i mean some of this stuff is certainly that we're the kind of people that like to have the official edition so even if you did pick up the stuff on etsy it's the same thing like terraforming mars i mean terraforming mars like we all try to upgrade and you know and make that game better and then they're like oh cool now we're doing it too and you're like damn it uh so 
I don't know. Like, again, it's, it's one of those things where you're a mile, you know, your mileage may vary. And I guess it's also for people who are not like hardcore board gamers, but like, you know, when they come into the hobby now, it's such this almost like unique, you know, I don't know if hipster is still a thing anymore, but like Catan was the hipster game. And now it's at the point where it's like, yeah, now this is, you know, high level gaming. So $300, you know, like Tokunoko has that giant wood box. This is not as good as that. But nonetheless, if you wanted a $300, you know, super deluxe set of Catan, you can do it now. And nonetheless, it's, it's still very, the quality is great. I mean, it's not, it's not a, you know, a Kickstarter quasi kind of quality. It's, it's, it's very good as far as that's concerned. So again, if, if that's your thing, it's available. So, all right. So those are the games that we want at the table, especially a $300 version of a game hitting my table. Uh, Anthony, let's talk about the game. You did get to your table, which is almost $300, but surprisingly enough, you know, a very good deal for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So Kemet blood and sand also Kemet 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Uh, (laughs) Was up on Kickstarter. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> electric boogaloo electric uh, boogaloo that's what i wanted to call it but you stopped yeah. me the the recommitting um <laughs> so this was only on kickstarter like a year ago this game has yes. been out like and they shipped it fast yes uh, so which is awesome i love when i back a game and it shows up within less than 12 months not two to four years later when i'm like what is this who paid you for mean, what now you mean madeira <laughs> yeah my gosh they're never gonna make that game <laughs> Um, so yeah, Kemet, and this is not a new game. Uh, Kemet's been around since 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out like the year that I got into board games and was one of the first dudes in a map game I played and I loved it, uh, mm-hmm. but I never owned a copy. It's not a game I ever picked up. And so when the Kickstarter came along and they're like, Hey, we fixed this, 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 and this, and we upgraded this and we rolled in the expansion and we made the map clearer and we all these upgrades and everything. And I was like, here's all the money you want just take it <laughs> uh and i so i was super all in right i got the full god pledge i got the the mat the rollout mat i got the sleeves i got the cthulhu thing for some stupid reason even though nobody <laughs> wants those to be in the game so we'll probably never use them um although our, mine did it did play a role it just it stood uh it stood guard in one of the storms and <laughs> just watched okay. the game for us um and so what I can say out of the box is, and I know a lot of people have had some issues here um, just off the bat. So I was actually expecting there to be problems when I opened the box up just because some people are complaining about broken miniatures. Other people were missing some components. Uh, but a lot of it too is like a little bit of confusion with where things actually lived because you have all these upgrades, like they called them game ups, but just like mm-hmm. little upgrades for the game. And they were just all packed inside the main box. So I'll, I did the same thing. I got it out. I was like, where's Cthulhu? All right, whatever. Uh, I think you, you did the same thing, right? You texted me. I did. But that's yeah. Cthulhu for you. Cthulhu is always yeah. going to mess with you, you know. <laughs> where's Cthulhu? Uh, and they were just packed in the main box, right? So it's all in there. Um, the quality of the insert, not great. The tile trays, very nice. Very, very nice. Because just let me just run through how the game plays in a second. But mm-hmm. one big part of the game is you have all these power tiles, right? And there are dozens of them in a game, especially with a lot of players. 
And the way it worked in the first edition is you had them just kind of laid out around the table and whoever was sitting near them could look at them whenever they wanted and try to figure out what tiles were best and build out their tableau because you're going to buy like, you know, five to 10 of these things throughout a game. And the person on the other side of the table is like, I don't know, just give me one that costs two. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that guy getting up and walking around the table every five minutes. Yes. Um, and so with the trays now, someone's like, I want a blue one. You hand them the, the tray of blues, they pick one. Also, the game comes with a menu of tiles. So you can flip through the menu, look at what's available, and pick what you want, and then ask mm -hmm. for it. It's such a small, stupid change, but it's perfect. And it makes the game so much more playable. Um, so that's that. Trays are great. Rest of the insert, bad. The game itself. It's dudes on a map, right? You start in one of these cities. The city has three uh, sections in it. Each of them has space to grow a pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. Each pyramid represents one of the available uh, powers uh, that you can get power tiles from. So there are now five of those in the game. In the original, there was red, white, and blue. Uh, and they've changed them now. They're not just colors. They're like ruby, diamond, and diamond. Uh, yeah. sapphire, I believe. So, so they literally they literally took out the white power tiles. Yeah, yeah, they did yeah. take out the white power tiles. Thank you, <laughs> appreciate that. Can I can I have the white power? No, no, no. <laughs> and they did not do that until the Kickstarter was running, by the way, because yes, there was many people in the comments being like, "You can't have white power tiles." <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so th there's five of them now because they they have the Onyx ones that came in the Tonsetti expansion, and then they added a new one with the emerald uh with this is a new uh set of green ones uh, and so the the black ones are like so it's red is offense blue is defense uh white is like um like support and power-ups and stuff uh, yeah. basically prayer points and then the black is like a mix of offense and defense and green is like all sorts of cool weird stuff like there's like this is the bucket for all the cool weird stuff and that's where cthulhu lives if you want him and so you have your pyramids, you'll grow them up, and how high your pyramid is is which tiles you can buy, mm -hmm. right? Um, you also start with 10 guys on the map. You can have uh, five units in a space. That's called a troop. Those guys are going to move around the board, and you are going to fight. The whole point of this game is to fight. It's not to turtle up and score points in any way other than to fight. Um, and, and the game ends when somebody reaches nine points. And there's a combination of permanent points, which you win from fighting and winning as an attacker. You'll get a victory point for doing that. Or holding two or more temples, um, which are locations on the map, at the end of a round. Which, again, involves fighting, because people will try to stop you from doing that. Um, and those are your permanent points. You also get temporary points for having fully developed pyramids. Yours or someone else's, because you can go take someone's pyramid from them. Just go into their city and say, this is my pyramid now, I have a point. Um, or from uh, controlling those temples. Each temple is worth a victory point as long as you control it. And so once you reach nine victory points, that is the trigger to everybody else that when it gets back to your turn, uh, the, in that same round, you will win. So that's when everybody's going to come after you. So right around the time you get to seven or eight points, people start just bearing down on you. Um, this is a change from the original game. The original game, it took a little longer. Like you'd get to nine points and I think you had to last through the round. So the beginning of the next round, whoever had nine points would win and that would drag a little bit and you'd have extra everything. Uh, the Tossetti end game conditions where it's just like, boom, you win as long as you survive for the next like four plays. 
that's that's what's in here now. Um, it makes it a lot cleaner. We got a little confused because the rule book wasn't great, but you know it all makes sense. Um, the on your turn, you're going to be able to put little tokens onto a pyramid board in front of you. Uh, you have to take actions in each of the three rows that are available. Actions include moving, which usually involves fighting. <laughs> so um, you can only move one space unless you have upgrades, which a lot of things give you upgrades. So maybe you can move more than one, but most things are very close to each other. There's a river down the middle. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to get anywhere. And you can pay two prayer points to teleport to any of the obelisks on the map, which basically means you can go anywhere at any time as long as you can pay for it. So you can fight whenever you want. You can hit anybody anywhere, right? Um, you can also recruit new troops. That has to be done in your own city. You can build up pyramids, as many as you want um, with one action, but you can only do that once per round. Uh, you can pray and get more prayer points, or you can buy more power tiles. So those are the actions you can take, right? And so you'll do all that until all five of your action tokens are used up. You can get extra action tokens. So once those are used up as well, if you have extras, and you just go around until everybody's done, and then you get to the end of the round and you see who controls what and score some victory points from that, right? Um, there are a few different mechanics that make the fighting actually really fun, and that's why this game is so good, especially compared to some other dudes on a map games. The fighting is legitimately fun to do, right? So you have a hand of eight battle cards. Everybody has the same eight cards. And when you get in a fight, you pick one and you discard the other. So you'll go through your whole deck every four fights. Uh, and just for reference, I fought the most in the game that we played recently, and I went through my deck three times. So 12 fights over the course of the whole game. But that was the most. I think the person who did it the least got into six fights. So you do fight a lot, though. It's not a game where you're like, you fight twice in the game. You're like, all right, combat. Woo. Um, it worked out pretty well. And so uh, you pick a card. You put it face down. You can put as many divine intervention cards under it as you want. And these are like special bonus cards that you get during the game. These have been streamlined a lot. They were pretty, I, don't, I wouldn't say pretty complicated before, but could be confusing uh, in the first edition of the game. They're all very simple now. They're just like plus one damage, plus one attack value, plus one defense. Simple, right? And there's a few of them you can use outside of battle too. You flip it over and you check to see who won the actual fight. If you win as the attacker, you get a point. If you win as a defender, you get two of these scarab tokens that you can turn in for extra stuff at the end of the round. If you lose as the attacker, you do get a scarab point, but you got to run away. <laughs> you know, got to get out of there. Um, the defender can only score victory points if they have a special tile. So defending is not, it helps you cycle your deck. It's not great, but uh, being attacked is, you know, not the worst thing either. Um and that's it. That's the combat. And it goes really, really quickly. There's not a lot of extra extraneous stuff. There's no dice. Um, it's just the one card. It's super simple. I love it. And I feel like a lot of the more confusing, complicated bits that might have been around that piece have been streamlined a lot now. Um, and that's more or less what Kemet is. You just do that over and over again until somebody gets to the points that they need to get to, right? The major changes from this uh, to this from first edition. So I'll, I'm not going to run through everything, but just some important stuff. Like if you played the first edition and you're like, why should I care about 2.0? Well, you've got, uh, they, like I said, they've simplified a lot of stuff. Um, the tiles that are in play, because there are five sets of them, the power tiles are adaptable based on player count now. Uh, it tells you how to do that. 
the setup is a lot more fluid. The divine intervention cards are a lot cleaner and make more sense. Um, the end game is better. Uh, it, it ends more quickly, but clearly, so you can see how to um, actually do that. Uh, the Tossetti expansion is integrated, so it's not. They didn't just like come with an expansion to to to, to latch onto it. Those pieces are integrated into the game, um, and so it's it's just more straightforward, right? Um, the board is pretty nice now. It's it's very clean. It's just one sided. They don't have like the two sides based on player count anymore. It's one sided, and then you cover up certain sections based on who's playing, and it tells you where to do that and how to do it. The player mat is amazing because it's just like thirty percent bigger, which is just enough that things never get too crowded in a space. You can fit those 10 troops in there for a big fight. Um, and it's just, I like it. I like the color palette. I like how it pops off the off the board a little bit, a lot better than I did the first edition. Uh, Divine Intervention cards are updated. Battle cards are updated. Um, uh, I mentioned those tokens you get for losing fights or winning as a defender. Those are uh, a nice integration now because it gives you a bonus at the end of the round if you fight a lot. So again, just like, making sure you're fighting fight 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 <laughs> two more fights a <laughs> uh, whole bunch of new miniatures to go with the power tiles so uh, there's i think like 20 25 different creatures you can bring out on the board uh, to use which is amazing and so just a lot of fun different additions to the game and just generally streamlined so if you liked kemet already blood and sand is amazing it's like the best version of the game if you've never played kemet I highly encourage you to do so at least once. Even if you think you don't like dudes in a map, uh, this one, is just, it's streamlined, it's accessible-ish, and it, it, it works really smoothly. Um, so the Kemet itself is it's a straight-up buy. I definitely recommend that. The only thing I'll say, and the only problem I had, was the rulebook. It's not very well written. There's a lot of things that are unclear. And I think part of that, I don't know if it's a translation issue from the original French or if it's uh, just iteration or lack of editing or whatever it might be but we had to revisit it several several times and even then a couple things that we got slightly wrong or read on the forums so there's a bunch of errata already and i think they're actually working on an update kind of a, a an faq for it but um it's not a long rule book it's like eight to ten pages long it's not crazy long so you could read it two or three times it's not going to kill you like like it's not like a 30 page rule book or anything but I just, I can't, I just don't like bad rule books. They drive me crazy. So I, I do hope somebody puts up a solid video soon to walk through the rules because this one needs it. Uh, there are a little bit intricacies here and there, but the game itself, spot on. Perfect. It's a buy. Check it out. Wow. Well, I'm glad I bought it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I, I think you had mentioned multiple times in previous podcasts that Unlike most Kickstarters that really just try to wring every last dollar out of you, Matago did an excellent, outstanding job here on everything that they did. They really listened to people's feedback, and sometimes that was kind of harsh, but they listened to it. So the whole Cthulhu thing came out. People were like, eh, and then they pushed back, and they were able to revise that, but also include it. And so they were very receptive, very smart, and it was not a million dollars for this game, which, again, I'm surprised it wasn't more expensive than what it was. And I remember Kemet coming out. I never owned a copy of it. We had a friend who had a copy of it, and I borrowed it once, and I really enjoyed it because, like you mentioned, the troops on the map kind of situation, most games are very much based on, like, 
when can you, you know, very discreetly attack somebody, score a point, and then run away and hide for most of the game. And then yeah. Kemet's like, yeah, no. And you're just like, what do you mean, no? And they're like, no. So, yeah, the whole game is very aggressive, and that's what you want for troops on the map, and that's fine. And if it works here, um, so Clytes had always been my favorite of Matago games, and Kemet was in and out of print a lot, and I always like almost bought it a bunch of times. And I'm really glad I waited, which again is going to be another thing that as board gamers we're going to have to look at in the future is like, do you buy a game now that when it comes out the first time, because there will be other, you know, versions of this in the future. And since there's been other versions, the rules are all crazy and everyone has different rule sets in their head. And if the rule book is not good, it's a nightmare, especially yeah. if it's translated on top of everything else. So yeah, I'm not happy about that at all. Because uh, no. <laughs> Kemet was one of those very few games that you could just throw down the table and play, and now it's not a thing so much. So, um, but that happens with Kickstarters. Like, oh, we threw more stuff in that we really didn't play test or check or, uh, um, and I'm glad to hear about the play mat because when I opened up my Kickstarter, I was like, I ordered a play mat. All right, because play mats are really very hit and miss. I mean, I honestly have multiple play mats that are lining my table right now <laughs> instead of being used for games. So I'm glad to hear this one actually has a functionality to it. So yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. So my review will probably come up next week um, or very soon when I can get the game to the table. So yeah, excellent. Love, love it. Love it. Love it. So glad that it plays well and uh, looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm glad to see the differences are good. Hopefully it retains everything that's great about it. So excellent. I think I think it does. It's been a long time since I played it, but I, I feel like it. I got the same feeling out of it, and less of the annoyance from some of the little bits. Like that's great. Like here's how to we fix all the structural problems with this game, except the rules, probably yeah. the rules. But everything else is great, and I think maybe some people are a little disappointed just with the miniatures. But this is pretty much board game quality miniatures. Yeah, they're fine. Like I think a lot of people are just used to Simon level miniatures, but you didn't pay for Simon level miniatures. Because if you did, this would have been three hundred dollars. So yeah, like, um, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, and none of mine were broken. To be fair, I know some people had broken stuff, but a lot of bent stuff. Just toss it in some hot water; it'll snap back. It's fine. I just don't. I never understand why board game companies use miniatures with spears. Like spears are literally the oh. worst thing that you could always, especially droopy when the place is cheap. You get a droopy spear. You get a broken spear. You get a, you know like. Yeah. And then you have to try to fit in the box. Don't do that. Like, don't. No, 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 no. So, yeah. yeah. No, but I, I, I'm really, I'm really happy about that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that to the table. And, you know, maybe we'll see more upgrades and revisions in the future. All right. So that's what's hitting our table this week. Let's talk about our feature review. So our feature review, of course is Board Game Geek's Hotness for 2021. We take a look, see what's going on, and Anthony tells us what games are there, why they're there, and maybe why you should be picking them up. All right, Anthony, what do you have for us this week? All right, let's kick it off. Uh, number 15 on the list this week is Marvel Champions, the card game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's amazing. You don't even know. Um, actually, last week, I sat down with uh, a friend who's got into this over the pandemic because I tried to get people into this before the pandemic and they were not interested. But during, a lot of people got into it. And we mm -hmm. played through the entirety of the Guardians of the Galaxy campaign, and it was fantastic. It was amazing. So 
this game's just getting better. Like they're finding ways to make it more challenging and integrate some story elements. And now there's like a campaign element to it where you upgrade your deck as you go. Oh, great stuff. Uh, I don't know why it's on the list other than that it's an LCG, but good game. Check it out. <laughs> uh, number 14, Beyond the Sun. This is the uh, Rio Grande game that came out a couple of months ago. Um, two reasons it's on here. One, we have a Shut Up and Sit Down review that went up a couple weeks ago, which always bumps a game up. And they liked it quite a bit, as did mm -hmm. I. And number two, it's up on Board Game Arena. So you can play it now. It launched, I think, last week. So uh, this is a really good game. It's the Tech Tree, the board game. So if you like Tech Trees in your 4X games, this is the game for you. Check it out. I, I like it a lot. Terraforming Mars is at 13. Uh, this is almost always on the list, but specifically the big box has been shipping the last three or four weeks. So all the people who spent big money to get the expensive, fancy, 3D printed quality, uh, all the tiles and everything in the big box, which again, like I said, I got a chance to check out this last weekend and it's very nice. So that's got this up on the list as well. Uh, Paperback Adventures coming in at uh, number 12. Talked about this last week is My Acquisition Disorder. This is a solo uh, word game, like a roguelike of all things. It's insane. <laughs> the whole thing looks insane. <laughs> um, but I'm all about it, and I am backing this. Uh, next up, we got Lost Ruins of Arnok, The Search for Professor Kutil. This mm -hmm. is a solo campaign for the Lost Ruins of Arnak. Did you see this go up? I did. I did see this go up. I was I was shocked by it. Yeah, this is cool. It's uh, it's free. You can go online. They have it on an online app, and it runs through mm -hmm. all this stuff. It's got a whole big story thing, and it's way more produced than you might expect than like some print and play. You can print and play it too if you want. Uh, but I went through the whole first uh, scenario of it, and it's really cool. It, like it changes the rules. It changes what you're trying to do. Has different win win mechanics, and based on how you perform, things carry forward into the other chapters super cool like very cool i i don't know why it's free but <laughs> it's a awesome. Shh, they'll hear you <laughs> i know uh it's a good on you cg i dig this um next up the adventures of robin hood michael menzel this was nominated for the spiel this yard so it's up on the list has not come out here in the u.s and uh, i think it's probably stuck in a boat somewhere so hopefully we get this in soon we get a chance to play it and share it all with you but um, I'm super excited. It uses like the Legends of Andor adventure game approach, but with like a storybook kind of thrown in there instead of the cards that was in the original. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one when it comes out. Dune Imperium is the, uh, it's been up on the list pretty much since the game came out last fall. Uh, this is a de deck placing worker placement game, which is, we need like one word to consolidate that since <laughs> there's like a new one of these every month now i know uh, but but that's what it is it's from uh our friends over at direwolf who did clank and so it has a lot of the dna of clank it's about sure. the same weight as clank uh and it seems to have a lot of the same fans of clank as clank as well mm -hmm. i have it i've played it a little bit the solo version's not very good in my opinion but the base game seems interesting i just have not had a chance to play it with like a full group of people so gotcha uh, it's 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 a it's a decent game. I don't know if it's an amazing game, uh, but it's I like it better. I think than the old Dune because that's not a game that's been updated for twenty twenty one. Next up, Oath. 
Chronicles of Empire and Exile. This is the new Leader Games release that is very slowly shipping out. They are working through it. A lot of people backed it. Uh, I do not yet have my copy, but I know it's it's coming. Hopefully before I move, but it's coming. <laughs> uh, it's a new Cole Whirly game, though, with like a million mechanics jammed into it. And it happens to be a campaign game on top of that, where you can save your progress and move it forward to as you, as you move through the game. So very excited to see how it works. Uh, we have Nemesis. This is the Awakened Realms kind of alien game uh, that it's been up in here for a while. It's number 23 overall, which is crazy to me, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a lot of people really like this. I've not played it. I'm sure it's very good, but it's a, yeah, it's alien and board game. Uh, Sleeping Gods is the newest Ryan Lockett release from Red Raven Games. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very highly anticipated from a lot of people. I've seen some people just not, you know, click with it. I've generally not clicked with uh, Red Raven Games as much, um, as much as I want to, because they're so pretty to look at. But this is another cooperative storytelling game so mm -hmm. i think it's very specific group of people that these games are for and the people who love them love them it's got like an 8.7 <laughs> here on board game geek um i just don't think i'll ever play it because it's just not my kind of game fantasy realms uh this is the we talked about this last week this is nominated for the kenner spiel it's from whiz kids but it came out like four years ago and so just kind of reached uh, Germany, presumably this last year, uh, card drafting set collection game uh, where you're trying to like, you know, maximize the value of certain cards that end up in your hand. Um, there's some comparisons to Red Rising, which I reviewed uh, last week as well. So I, I would like to play it. Hopefully, I can find a copy and, and give it a go. Now that it's been nominated and it's old, probably not in print. I don't know that I'll find a copy, but hopefully one pops up somewhere. All right, number four on the list: Lost Ruins of Arnok. We just talked about it. It's on the list twice, actually. <laughs> so um, this one nominated for the Ketterspiel, but also it's on Board Game Arena, and also it's been sold out constantly. People dig this game. I dig this game. I played it twice last week, solo. Very, very mm -hmm. fun. Uh, the Goonies, Never Say Die. This is the new Prospero Hall uh, game from Funko Games. So... The last Goonies game that I played, and I can't remember the subtitle, but I, I just remember not loving it. <laughs> it's a very, very simple family weight cooperative game. So, meh. Uh, this one seems to have the same mechanics. It seems to be a relatively simple family weight cooperative game, but mm -hmm. we'll see. Prospero Hall does really good by their IPs, and um, it'll presumably be in targets everywhere sometime soon. Number two, a bit of a preview for next week's episode, The Witcher Old World. So this is being uh, published by Go On Board with CD Projekt Red. They're involved in the production. Uh, designed by Lucas Wozniak. And um, it is on Kickstarter right now, actually. It's already up. So it is a big box, 15 mechanic <laughs> uh, adventure game uh, with miniatures, of course. Uh, set in the world of the Witcher. So it's not specifically about Geralt of Rivia, who's, who is the Witcher. It's about being sure. a Witcher. So I don't know why it's called the Witcher. Uh, we'll get into that next week. But um, it's obviously that's a huge franchise. People love it. And I actually have my eye on it as well, because the Witcher is pretty cool. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's on Kickstarter now, making a ton of money, so it's at number two. And number one on the list uh, from Lucky Duck Games, this is uh, in conjunction with uh, Grimspire and kind of pulling on the IP, um, I think from Awakened Realms, uh, Destinies. So it's an interesting spin on a game. We saw this at Gen Con three years ago, I think. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> we were both there, so it had to have been three years ago. Uh, yeah. It is a dice-rolling, role-playing, solitaire-style spin on the adventure game genre right and it uses an app so it's very very story focused if you like story-based games that's who this is for i don't know if it's for me i don't know if it'll if it'll scratch that itch or not because i'm not generally that kind of gamer but i am looking forward to getting a copy of this and trying it out because i've heard some very interesting fun things about how it mixes the app with the board game and builds the narrative over time sure but um, that's been shipping to backers and they're sending copies out everywhere. It's hitting retail soon. So um, that's why it's up number one, Time of Legends Destinies. Very cool. All right. So again, obviously check out these games on Board Game Geek. See what hits your flavor of the week and hopefully you'll get those games to the table or be able to back or support them on their upcoming projects. And again, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for jumping over to TikTok for Tabletop Toys and their content to put out new toy content each and every day. So again, thank you for all your support. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.